Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 16. I'm going to read three verses of Scripture here. Matthew chapter 16, if you didn't get a sermon card, you can wave your hand as long as you don't, you're not Nephilim and have six fingers. That's, a, that's an Old Testament joke, but that's for the, old, the older saints of God there. But Matthew 16, beginning in verse 16, all right, you can see it on the screen, says, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, And blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I find that these would fall into this series and what we're looking at as hard sayings of Jesus. I want to teach primarily a message today titled, Keys for Keys. Keys for Keys. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that there is a name that's above every name. And Lord, because of your mercy and grace and your redemption in that name, you've brought me into a place that for your glory I can use that name. Lord, we use that name corporately, the name of Jesus, that, Lord, the bound would be liberated, that the blind would see, that the oppressed would go free, that the afflicted would be delivered that the broken places of identity in our heart would be bound together by your healing hands. We loose the operation and working of the Holy Spirit in hearts and minds in this community today, that Jesus Christ and his kingdom would be manifested, and we thank you for your lordship. We exist for your glory and your praise, and we're honored to be a part of what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as I look out over this wonderful community this morning and see you and see your expectancy and see some of you smiling, some of you still on that second cup of coffee to get smiling, but, you know, I'm confident of one thing. I'm confident that every one of you has keys, that every one of you has keys. See, keys are still a relative item for us here in the 21st century. Now this is important because keys are not something like many other items that are unknown or unfamiliar to us that Jesus used to illustrate spiritual truth or the kingdom of God. Today we're looking at a passage where Jesus uses an image, an item that we today are still familiar with. In fact, in my, you know, 38 uh, years of living, I never 
have had great discourse or interaction with people regarding a mustard seed. But I have had interaction with people about keys. We have a little advantage today because this item, this object that Jesus uses to illustrate truth is an object that we still utilize. We still utilize keys. Leon Morris writes, It, a key, is an obvious symbol for admitting people through a door, but it was also used for exercising authority. See, a key will get you through a door. A key will unlock a door. A key will lock a door. But because that key gives you the ability to lock and unlock, the key also represents the authority. Authority. See, I don't have authority to some of your wonderful homes. You've never given me a key that I have the ability to open and close it. But you have a key to your home. It speaks to your authority, your influence, your leadership of your home. And Jesus here says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now our Roman Catholic friends insist that the beginning part of this passage we're looking at regards Peter being the first pope. It's an unfortunate error because that's not the heart of what Jesus is doing and saying here. Now I'm not going to spend our time looking at what the Greek actually says, what it actually informs us, nor what Jesus meant calling Peter a little rock. Why am I not going to spend adequate time on that today? Because we cover that sufficiently in foundation phase of our growth phases. And if you haven't already been a part or you're not already signed up, you can get signed up for a growth phase session that's starting right here at this facility at September 6th, okay? And you can learn more in depth about those verses in foundation phase. But today in our time together, I want to focus in On verse 19 primarily, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The first practical thing that we can see here simply is number one, there are keys of the kingdom of God. The first simple thing that we can take away and understand from what we're reading here is that there are keys of the kingdom of God. Now, being that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, in fact, its manifestation right now on the earth is a spiritual kingdom, it means also that the keys to the kingdom are spiritual as well. See, the kingdom of God right now is unseen. You can't see it visibly with the natural eye. It has to be seen by the eyes of faith or by revelation and by the Father and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus praises, he celebrates Peter in this passage because he says, you have eyes to see me, not just as another human, but as the one sent by the Father, as the king of the kingdom, as the one that has the authority and the keys of the kingdom, that you have the eyes of revelation to see that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Peter, who is a Jew, and other God-fearing Jews there in the days of Jesus 
who would have been scripturally learned. Many had from childhood began to be trained to memorize the first five books of scripture, the Pentateuch. They would be aware that scripture speaks of the key to the house of David. Meaning, the key to the house of David is the key to the kingdom. That's what Jesus would have understood. Why? Because God promised David that from his lineage, one, a king, would always sit upon the throne, upon the kingdom. So to a Jew, when they hear keys of the kingdom of God, they think of the house of David. They think of the key to the house of David. Secondly, we can simply understand and learn from this passage that keys are for binding and loosing. They're for opening and closing. Keys and their meaning, their use is familiar, not just to us, but to all Jews there in the days of Jesus. In fact, Josephus, the historian, who wasn't a believer, he wrote saying of the Pharisees, the the so-called scholars of Scripture, he wrote regarding them that they exile and recall, they loose and they bind. That's what Josephus said as he observed the, the role of Pharisees and things like that. The third thing we can easily understand and get from this passage is that the keys are related to possessing authority of the kingdom of God in dealing with the kingdom of Satan. Notice what Jesus says in context. And the gates of Hades... Hell, the underworld, the world of darkness shall not prevail against the church. It's in this teaching and saying of Jesus that the gates of hell will not prevail that he speaks of the keys of the kingdom. Keys that can bind and loose, that can open and shut. See, keys are related to possessing authority. In the natural, the keys of the kingdom are related to possessing authority. And the spiritual, to bind, to close doors from the enemy having access into our life. To open and loose and welcome the power and the spirit of God to have access into our life. Here in verse 19, Jesus means what he clearly states. He says, Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, maybe at this point you say, in this hard saying of Jesus, Chad, why do I, why do I need to find this significant and important to me? I'll tell you why. 
Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ on this path of actually following Jesus, not just acknowledging that He's Lord, but following Him, you're going to find yourself in some circumstances. You're going to find yourself in some battles. You're going to find yourself dealing with some things that your natural key to start your car or your truck and your natural key to open and close your home ain't got the authority to deal with what you're going through. But I'm talking about some keys for the keys of the kingdom. Now, we don't have to speculate today what this entails when Jesus tells Peter, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. We don't have to speculate what Peter did with these spiritual keys of the kingdom when he received them. Because on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 tells us he used them to preach and open the door of faith to 3,000 who chose to come into the kingdom of God. Acts tells us that at the temple during the hour of prayer, he used the keys he did have to loose a man from his lameness. He used the keys when they were assembled praying with other believers for the place to be shaken and for every person to be filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness. In Acts 5, he used them for discipline. and He locked out Ananias and Sapphira from continuing in their lying ways on the earth. He used them for community discipline. In Acts chapter 8, he used them to open the baptism in the Holy Spirit to the Samaritan believers. In Acts 10, he used them to open the door of faith to the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius. Here we see Peter utilizing the keys that Jesus gave him doing what? Peter was binding and loosing upon the earth the will of heaven. Peter was binding and loosing on earth the will of heaven. He was loosing evangelism. He was loosing healing. He was loosing the work of the Holy Spirit. He was loosing salvation and he was binding community discipline for believers. See, Jesus says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now what does Jesus mean for us in this hard saying? Can we make God obey our wishes? Can we make God obey our wants? Can we make God obey our demands or our plans? What does Jesus mean by this? Why? I think the amplified version does a a good use of explanation in us understanding this. In Matthew 16 and 19 in the amplified, look at it with me. I will give you the keys, authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. See, Peter wasn't using the keys of the kingdom to bind and loose his will, but God's will as it had been revealed in Jesus. 
That's what we see in the book of Acts. That Peter's not using his authority for self-gain and to bind and loose his will, but he's using the keys of the kingdom to bind and loose the will of heaven, the will of God on earth as it was revealed in Jesus. See, Jesus is the model man, the model child of God. I'm reminded of teachings of Jesus that similarly ties into this text. Like Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus says to them, Therefore I say to you, not what religion told you, not some study book told you, but Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Jesus says whoever believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. 1 John 3.22 says whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. The apostle John in 1 John 5.14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Wow, what's Jesus speaking about? Authority in prayer. And binding and loosing and the authority of the keys ties into this. See, let me walk you through it. From the beginning, Scripture is clear that God desired mankind to work in partnership with him. Someone say partnership. Not man telling God what he can or cannot do. Not man separated or apart from God being our own God. Not God doing everything sovereignly without man involved. From the very beginning of Scripture, it tells us and informs us and instructs us that God desired a partnership. He desired men and women in partnership with Him to extend His kingdom. Binding and forbidding on earth what God in heaven desires to be bound and forbidden on earth. Loosing and permitting on earth what God desires to be loosed and permitted on earth. This is simply what Jesus sought to bring humanity's awareness back to via prayer. That's why he taught us corporately, because listen, you get alone individually, you'll not stay to what I'm talking about today. You'll allow your circumstances to dictate your expectation. You'll allow your circumstances to define your authority. You'll allow circumstances and people's opinion to define your identity. But that's why Jesus, when he taught us to pray corporately, he said, pray that the Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus, the model man, he modeled this. And I still am a firm believer today, friends, that we're called to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our King. And this leads to the importance of another key of the kingdom. Number four, the key of knowledge. In Luke eleven fifty two, Jesus says, Woe to you, lawyers! Woe to you professional, understanding, 
professional, focused on Scripture. Woe to you lawyers. Woe to you Pharisees. For what? For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves. Notice the key representing the authority to enter into something. Now, when you enter into something, listen, you automatically enter into an experience of what you entered into. When you enter into your home, you instantly, without having to intentionally, you start experiencing your home. He says, woe to you because you did not enter in yourselves. Enter into what? To the kingdom. And those who were entering in, watch this, you hindered. Wow. Jesus said, woe lawyers and Pharisees, you've taken away the key. Which key? The key of knowledge. And because you've taken away the key of knowledge, you're not entering into the kingdom of God, and you're hindering those who are entering in. Knowledge of what? Scripture. Now that brings up a real big question to my mind. They are the experts of Scripture. How are they... taking away the key of knowledge if they're the ones who are supposed to have that, to be the experts of Scripture. It's very interesting, ain't it? Well, let me tell you why. Because they who had a wrong spirit ended up with the wrong understanding and practice even though they had the right Scriptures from God. Now listen to me. Because they had a wrong spirit, they ended up with the wrong understanding and practice even though they had, a right, they had the right scriptures from God. See, Peter ended up with the right practice and a right demonstration of the will of God and the kingdom of God. Why? Because Peter wasn't seeking to bind and loose his own will. He wasn't seeking his glory. He was seeking the glory of the one who gave him the keys. The Pharisees and the lawyers weren't seeking the glory of God. They were seeking their own glory. Now, this is pivotal. Now, many of you are, are, are called or some the Lord might call the five-fold ministry. This is an empowering culture, so I know God's going to bring people that He's calling to be equipped. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And it's a pivotal moment. When leaders, and all leaders, because we're all to be ministers of Jesus Christ, switch from caring about being successful and popular in our preaching and in our oratative skills, communication skills, and care about opening and getting others to experience the authority of the kingdom. It's a big shift. Listen. We can learn and acquire skills to preach and teach and to get better communicating and never use the keys to actually loose people from the powers of hell and darkness or to bind demons and hell's assaults on families and marriages and our children. We're called to model Jesus. Jesus was more concerned about binding the forces of hell 
and loosing people into the liberties of the grace and the goodness of God's kingdom than just being popular. And as a community, this is our call. This is Jesus' exhortation and the heart sayings and call to us. See, listen, the Scriptures provide a key of the kingdom, the key of knowledge. And you can see the importance this key carries in relation to other keys of the kingdom. For example, the, key, the keys for binding and loosing. Why? Listen. Because without knowing the will of God, without knowing what God has already in heaven determined He wants bound on earth, without knowing what God already in heaven determined He wants permitted on earth, you cannot use the keys of the kingdom for binding and loosing. So the key of knowledge informs us of how to use other keys. Because I can't bind what I'm not clear. God's already declared in heaven He wants to be bound. And it's Scripture who seeks, who is there to testify of who? Of Christ who is the express image and will of God the Father on earth. See, the key of knowledge informs you how to use the keys of binding and loosing. And the right spirit empowers us. This is seen exactly in what Jesus said in John 5 and 19. Jesus answers and He says to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. What is Jesus saying? Jesus only does in partnership with the Father that which He sees, that which He knows is the Father's will. So the more we see Jesus clearly through the key of knowledge Scripture and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the more we're then empowered and clear on how to use the keys of the kingdom to bind and loose. Apprehension is removed. Speculation is removed. Fear and intimidation is removed. Now the key of knowledge speaks not just to Scripture alone, but also to the purpose of Scripture, which is to reveal Jesus Christ the King. Listen, the more knowledge of Scripture we have combined with the right spirit, the more we will rightly understand the Father's will. I was amazed. I came a different route. Uh, I'm an intuition type person, and I do that even with my driving. Don't always work, but sometimes, you know, you, you build up your intuition. I took a different route here to the gathering day. I was amazed I passed a fitness place. Now, it was at first, it was, it's close to a coffee shop, so I thought the reason the parking lot was packed was for the coffee. But when I saw it, it was packed because people are working out. Early in the morning on a Sunday, packed out at a fitness place. It made me really think about the diligence 
of so many people to build their potential and capacity for the physical body. And I thought as believers, how much more diligence, earnestness, seeking early in the morning, should we seek to build our spiritual capacity of knowing the key of knowledge so that as we go through life, we know how to use the other keys to bind the works of hell and darkness and to loose the works of God. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that you can't get more confidence and expectation in life until you use the key of knowledge and get into the key. See, I have found that the most confident person on the earth is the one with the most revelation of the will of heaven. Now, I have not even got, like, anywhere close. Not that I plan on it. (laughs) But anywhere close to the sufferings of the Apostle Paul. And yet, he's been through shipwrecks, snake bites, beatings, stonings, jealousies, false brethren, attacks. I mean, everywhere. A line, a literal line. Like we read that and spiritualize it. The Lord delivered me from the line. Oh, the Lord delivered him from a tax. No, he's talking about a real line. <laughs> I mean, this man, he's getting in the natural, he's getting in the supernatural. But you know what he says that amazed me? He looks at martyrdom that, that he's getting witness, and he says, none of these things move me. You know what that means? It means what I just said. The most confident person on the earth is the one that has the most revelation and clarity on the will of heaven. And Paul couldn't be moved because he was clear. And I just feel that in our community and and in some people's lives that the reason we've been being moved is because we're not clear on what the Father's will is. But the Holy Spirit, the great comforter and teacher, is sent by the Father and Son to be in your life and be here so that we can become clear on what is the Father's will and therefore we can have confidence in areas of our life. You know, this is why it's after Peter's outward confession of the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, that he's told he will be given the keys of the kingdom. Notice Jesus didn't tell Peter, I'm going to give you the keys, and Peter not have this revelation of something. It was after he had the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus said, okay, I will give you the keys. Edward Schweitzer put it this way, Everything decided by the lower court is confirmed by the superior court. Our lower court decisions regarding using the keys of the kingdom for binding and loosing has to already be confirmed by the superior court's will in heaven. 
And in our text, what we're seeing is Peter recognizes now by revelation the superior court, Jesus. Peter recognizes that Jesus is the superior court. So he now, as a lower court, is given keys to exercise the will of the superior court. This goes back to what I preached and and taught two weeks ago of why Scripture and, and Jesus highlights how it calls us judges upon the earth, gatekeepers, people with great authority. So now Peter, who's a lower court, because he's got the revelation of who is the higher court, Jesus, Jesus then says, I'm going to give you the keys. See, to operate in the authority of the kingdom, we are to do so with the spirit of the king of the kingdom. It's a spirit of forgiveness. It's a spirit of love. It's a spirit of mercy. It's a spirit of righteousness. Here, listen, it's a spirit of reconciliation. Now look at this in Matthew 18 and 14. Matthew 18 14, Jesus says, Even so it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Verse 15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now I'll be honest with you, every time I've ever dealt with this passage, I start in verse 15. In the original context, when Jesus is saying this, it's coming off of verse 14. It's a key. It's coming off this Father's desire that none would go to hell and follow the leadership and the path of Lucifer, Satan. So then he says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen, an unbeliever, and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, this is pretty cool. Here in one of the only two places in Matthew's gospel account where the word church, ecclesia, is used by Jesus. And it's used by Jesus in one of his assuredly statements, saying in verse 18, assuredly, I say to you, I don't care what religion and and politics and unbelievers' opinions, and but assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here's what's happening. This time Jesus says to all 12 apostles, not just Peter, like in Matthew 16, but here he says to all 12, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now here the binding and loosing which Jesus previously attaches the keys of the kingdom to is mentioned sandwiched in between God's will for all to be saved and dealing with a sinning brother or sister in the community of followers of Jesus. Now many have fell into the air of understanding then that the keys of binding and loosing is only in regards to church discipline alone. But that can't be correct. 
Because we've already seen from the Matthew 16 context that when Jesus first introduced the keys for binding and loosing, it's within the context of dealing with what? The gates, the authority of Satan's kingdom. So binding and loosing is not just in regards to church discipline. It's more than that and yet includes it. Now notice this in the Amplified, Matthew 18, 18. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. Listen, this binding and loosing is sandwiched between the two issues that are related to sin, related to repentance, related to forgiveness, and related to restoration. Listen, the authority of binding and loosing, Jesus talks about here, is sandwiched between issues about repentance, forgiveness, and restoration. This is why you read other statements of Jesus, and it's a hard saying, and it doesn't make sense to us, like John 20 and 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Or how about this one? 1 Corinthians 5, 4, where Paul says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a person to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or what about Acts 13, 13? But Elymas the sorcerer, withstood Paul and his team seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, also who's called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting, perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand wow some hard sayings but do you know the com a common thread in those difficult passages the common thread is the Lord and King listen and the first one Jesus the King tells them if you forgive any they'll be forgiven if you retain any they'll be retained what's the key Jesus the King the one who has the authority is telling them this is the will of heaven. Now you, a lower court, go exercise my will. In the first Corinthians 5, what does Paul say? Not in my name, not in my will, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one. In the Acts, when judgment falls upon the sorcerer, it says Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it speaks of the hand of the Lord. Notice a common thread is the will of the king and be empowered by the spirit of the king. And this leads us to number five. The keys of the kingdom are Jesus' kings. Jesus' keys. They're Jesus' keys. Listen, Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies regarding the key to the house of David that you read about in Isaiah 22. Jesus is the one that has the authority to open doors and to close doors, to open doors that no man has the power to close. He can close doors that no man, no natural king, has the power to open. Hallelujah. We see Him, Jesus, 
having the key of David in his hand in Revelation 3.7. And yet he gives these keys to Peter, his apostles, and his saints. Ephesians 2.5 says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, that's you and I, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Listen, they are Jesus' keys representing Jesus' authority but and they are to be used for Jesus' glory and His name. But He puts them in the hands of faithful, equipped brothers and sisters on the earth. And our ability to use them is dependent on being aligned with knowing the will of God and operating in the Spirit of God. You say, why does it matter? I'll tell you why it's matter. Because we got false idols and false religions in the land of the free. And because we were so focused on our freedom, we forgot that God was bringing other nations here to set them free as well. And now we got demons and strongholds set up on corners all around this country. We live in a time where people seek to oppose the real king and the real kingdom of Jesus Christ. And those that so harden their heart, they're going to enter in because God's calling His church back to the hard sayings, back to the high calling, back to the place of maturity He has for us in grace. And people, us, the children of God, are going to operate in authority that those that so get set on resisting the kingdom of God, they're going to find that it's hard to kick against the goads of God. And if they're so set and so reprobate, the hand of the Lord for judgment will come upon them. Because we're dealing with supernatural things the supernatural time number six discernment and wisdom is the key to using the key of knowledge listen this is important I felt this for some of you I felt this let me tell you a story of how I felt what I know some of you felt in a different way I not long ago I went to Walmart and I bought a oil filter for my wife's vehicle and for my vehicle I put both of them on a shelf after some weeks passed I used the one for my wife's vehicle and I changed her filter and her oil later not too long ago I went to change my filter and oil but it's a new vehicle that I have it was the first time that I had sought to do this so I went to the shelf where I had pre-planned and pre-bought the filter and I grabbed it and I get under the vehicle and I'm looking at the old filter that I'm about to take off and I'm looking at the new filter I'm hoping to put on the new filter is half the size of the old filter and I said something ain't right there's no way I must have looked it up wrong in the book got distracted so I put it back on the shelf so my wife was with the kids and they were going back to Walmart one day and I said she said do you need anything I said yes you could do me a favor and go buy oil filter I think I got the wrong one or maybe I got it from my other car that I just got rid of but I don't think it's the right one so she went and she brought one home I'm laying on the gravel driveway dusk is approaching quickly I take off the old filter 
it was a vertical wind, so I thought no oil would spill. Like normally they're like, you know, horizontal or something, you know, it's good. I mean, this one's vertical. How can it spill? I mean, it's like a volcano. It's it's flowing all the way down my arm. Then I'm looking at the oil filter package. It says, you know, that oil can, touching the skin. Can, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, that's all over me. And I was like, oh, that's why mechanics use gloves. But uh, I'm there, so I get the new one out, lube it up. I mean, it's vertical. I mean, you see where it goes. I put it in there, and I'm, I'm spinning, spinning some more. I'm spinning. Some, I mean, I, at this point, I think, man, I'm like a disc jockey. I mean, I'm spinning, spinning. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is fun. Let's get into it. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought maybe the angle was off a little bit. So I'm there 30 minutes. I'm sitting there trying to spin this thing on. I'm talking, this is supposed to be the most simple task. That's why I chose to do it right before the sun went down, laying on the gravel. And I start thinking, because this is how I feel when a small task like that goes wrong. I start having thoughts, God, why do you hate me? God, why do you hate me? like as simple as like opening the fridge door or something it's supposed to be and I got oil all over me and I'm sitting here you know like disc jockey Chad I mean what is going on why do you hate me I told Michelle that story later and she heard that I heard those thoughts in my mind why do you she said said, oh that's so sad so sad because she's never had those thoughts hit her mind because of the context she grew up in of having a father and a mother and a family that stayed together having a relationship with her parents but see I come from a context where my family didn't stay together and I didn't have a relationship with my biological father and because of the context of my previous experience when simple tasks and simple things go wrong the devil's right there trying to get me to think because of my past that now it's the same with my heavenly father that obviously when a simple task goes wrong that anybody with like a third grade education could do but it goes wrong for me it's because God hates me the father hates me now I know in my heart I'm mature enough by God's grace to know in my heart that's not true but I'm talking about that's why I hear it from the devil in those moments and others don't and what I felt is there's people in this community and you're find yourself trying to move forward and you're hitting something stronger than steel. It should be simple. You look at other people's life and say, man, it's so simple for them. And for you, it's like hitting steel. Here's what I felt. Because you know what the issue was? Someone, not to be named, bought the wrong oil filter. The problem wasn't the father hated me at all. The the problem wasn't the father wanted me to fail at simple tasks in life. To show me what a worm I am. The problem was, was the wrong tool. The wrong key for the door in front of me. So many people, you're trying to open a door, but you're using the wrong key. See, we have the key of knowledge scripture, but it's wisdom of the right part of the key 
that allows you to move forward in areas. See, listen to me. Love does not remove mountains. If, if you're going to try to love mountains out of some family member, it's not going to happen. Because Jesus didn't say love removes mountains. He says faith removes mountains. In Zerubbabel, he said grace, meaning the faith and the grace and the ability of God is what removes the mountain, not love. And what's happening is, is we're not using and able to use the key of binding and loosening because we're not being diligent as the people I saw this morning who's diligent to work out their physical body to learn the will of heaven. Some people, it's not that God hates you, it's that you're using the wrong key. You're, you're seeking to root, use the wrong thing for the wrong door. Listen, the prayer petition will not unlock and loose what the prayer of intercession will. Proclamation will unlock and loose what the prayer of intercession will not alone. Listen, tithing will not unlock and loose what only, only sowing will. Sowing will not unlo- unlock and loose what only tithing will. Charisma and spiritual gifts will not unlock what only character will. Wrong keys for wrong doors. And the Holy Spirit's here to comfort some of you. Because the Father, He sees your desire. He sees your want to be loose, to, to open doors, to be used, to move forward. But what He's saying is you got to understand the key of knowledge is key to know how to then use the keys to bind and loose. you got to get in the Word and understand what is the right key of the kingdom for the issue you're facing. Wisdom is a key. Whatever you bind and whatever you lose. If I had time, I'd tell you stories I've read. I'd tell you personal stories of seeing the keys of the kingdom that bind and loose. But in closing, they're going to worship. Why don't we, for the last moments together, run after God? And run after this way. Say, Father, I don't want to misunderstand you because I'm misunderstanding that I'm using the wrong key, though I might be at the right door. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Give me revelation of your will. So that in this area, I'd be the most confident person that I would know how to bind and loose your will upon this area. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.